All right, guys, so today you are going to get to listen to Andy and I's seminar from yesterday. Uh, I did a little bit on habit change. I was about the first 30 minutes or so, and then Andy did a little bit on nutrition. There are some questions and answers from the audience that are going to be kind of hard for you guys to hear. We'll also have the video version up here soon, and you guys can kind of watch that. This was my first time running the Habit Change Seminar, and it's one that I worked on for quite a while, but still probably came out a little bit rough, and I know I have a big area for improvement, so if you guys have any tips, I'm definitely open to hearing them, and I appreciate you guys listening. Thanks. Old man in the village comes in, man walks in with his son, says, sir, I would love if you can help teach my boy to have better habits. So the man walks with the little boy and he's walking along and the little boy is asking him all these questions. And while he's asking him questions, he tells him to stop and pick one of the flowers for him. So the boy walks over with his two fingers and he picks a flower and he just holds on to it. Continues walking on down the path. He continues asking questions. The wise man is not answering any of his questions about habit change. He tells him to walk over to a larger weed. It's about the size of the boy, and he tells him to pull that. He grabs it with his two hands. He yanks, and he pulls, and he tugs, and he gets it out. He says, what do you want me to do with this? He says, set it over to the side. And he tells him to walk over to a bush a little bit bigger. Now picture one about Andy's size. He says, now pull that out of the ground. And the kid walks over with all of his might, he sets his feet and his legs and he tugs and he pulls, takes him about five minutes and he gets it out, okay? Then the boy points, or the man points to the big oak and he tells him to walk over to that. He says, now take that out of the grounds. Boy walks over, looks at it, wraps his hands around it, and obviously it's not budging. And the old man tells him, you wanna work on your habits until they're as firm and strong as the oak over here so that nobody can ever get in the way or pull it out of the ground or stop. And so what we're thinking about that as we start, kind of start thinking about our habits, what habits have we already let grow into a gigantic oak? Is it a good habit or a bad habit? Okay. What of our habits are still kind of small little plants that we can pluck out of the grounds, right? That we can easily change, that we can just nip in the butt right away, and then we can plant a new seed and kind of start fresh from that capacity. Okay. So we're going to be kind of utilizing that metaphor. We're going to have some things that are big oaks. Okay. Those are our big habits. Those are things that maybe we've done for... 20, 30, 40, 50 years, okay? Some of you guys, right? probably not 50 years, right? Um, and, uh, and then we're gonna be thinking about what are our small habits? What are the easy ones for us to prune, to change, uh, to nip in the butt right away? And those, as we go into this whole life challenge, it's gonna be an important question for you guys to kind of be thinking about, do we wanna take the easy ones or the hard ones, okay? So, uh, so why habits, okay? Uh, I'm a firm believer in that your habits kind of define who you are, all right? We can kind of start thinking about that and it gets oxymoronic to say otherwise, right? If I tell you this man over here is a religious man, but he never prays, he never goes to church, he never reads his holy book, he doesn't have any of the habits that we associate with a holy man, that sounds oxymoronic, right? Okay, what would you associate with somebody being a holy man, right? They have those virtues. They spend time working on their faith, okay? Same thing would go for a father, right? So I put that on here. It's my, one of my favorite movies I was watching earlier this week, Liar Liar, okay? Um, you know, he's a bad father because he's never there. He's not emotionally available, okay? Here, grab a seat, guys. 
Um, so one of the things that we associate with being a good father is the habit of being emotionally available, physically available, okay, for our kids. So this is what we think about. The, the healthy person, so we take somebody like a, like a Matt Frazier, okay? He's the most fit man in the world, okay? Wouldn't it be weird if he never exercised or he had bad exercise habits, okay? You guys see how your, your habits will help define the person that you're gonna be, okay? So that's kind of what we wanna be thinking about in this vein. And the better habits we have, the better character that we, we will develop, and uh, then that can kind of start getting us closer to that person that we wanna be. Uh, so what I want you guys to think about, some of you guys brought pen and paper, perfect way to be uh, fully prepared. For those of you guys who didn't, it's okay. Um, don't worry about it. What I want you guys to think about real quick is, uh, is what do you think your guys' best habit is? And I'd like you guys to try to think about two, okay? And then what do you guys think your worst habit is? And again, same thing, kind of think about two, okay? So I want you guys to kind of go through this. Just think for just a second, right? Self-awareness is one of those huge keys. We can't really start to move forward unless we are truly aware of where we already sit, all right? So the quote I have on there, if you guys can't read it, a little fuzzy. The ability to take an honest look at your life without attachment to it being right or wrong, okay? And I know that's an area where a lot of people struggle is they like to maybe make it convenient where they don't necessarily say something like, um, you know, I'm maybe not being as, as good of a husband as I could be, okay? I could be more present, I could be more grateful, could be more thankful, okay? And it's sometimes hard to admit or say those things, to have that self-awareness for that moment. Um, but if we can think about what are the things that I could accept, then I can start to move on from there, okay? So if you guys have some, think about those, all right? Some of my best habits, to give you guys some examples, okay, is uh, I'm really good with financial discipline. Okay, it's something I've worked really, really hard on for quite a while. I've helped quite a few people with. Um, that's been a really good habit for me over the last probably 10 years or so. Uh, another really good one for me is exercise. Probably not a huge surprise to you guys, right? Can't tell you over the last 10 or 12 years uh, if I've ever gone a week without working out like at least three to four times. Okay, it's just not something that exists in my life to struggle with exercising. Okay, some of my bad habits, cell phones, okay? Morning and evening, that's when I struggle really bad with cell phones, okay? And we'll talk about that one quite a bit because that's a bad habit for a lot of people. Yeah, I was gonna say, Andy, if you get, get a moment, see if we can grab some seats for these guys. Boxes, chairs, benches, whatever we can. Hey, Avatar. Hey, Kelly. So as I was saying, guys, being on time, if that's a bad habit, no, I'm just kidding. Just messing with you guys. I know, right? Look at Cole, full dad mode. Love it. Hey, Lise. You more casually dressed than you were last time. Good. Thank you guys for coming. I appreciate it. Well, sneaking out there. Uh, and then uh, one of the big uh, habits that I really struggle with that I really have to find myself consistently really working on really hard is gratitude. And you guys have maybe heard me say that. I'm good at saying thank you for things as they happen to me. I have a lot of people, I'm thankful to have people surrounding myself in my life uh, that are constantly doing really kind things for me and going out of their way to help me with things. And uh, one of the things that I've always worked to aspire to, and Omar is uh, a huge mentor for me in this, you are, uh, is writing thank you cards. Okay, Omar for his first year or so with us, uh, probably wrote me about eight cards, right? Uh, and just like 
long, detailed, handwritten, right? Uh, telling me what friendship itself, what I myself uh, meant to him and, you know, kind of became his family a little bit as he's obviously a few thousand miles from his family. Uh, and that stuff really made a meaningful difference in our relationship. And I felt that. And that's something that I really continue to have to work towards and aspire to and something that uh, does not come naturally to me. Okay. So as you guys are kind of thinking about that, hopefully you guys can kind of think about some things. So when we think about the good things, okay. Uh, the good habits that we have in our lives, right? These are some of the words that came to mind when I think about the good habits that most people would feel like they associate with, okay? So if you guys did write down good habits or you thought about good habits, think about, are you convicted in that belief? Probably, right? A lot of you guys maybe put, I'm a great mother, okay? And I know there's some great mothers in this room right now, okay? Well, why are we a great mother? Why do we, you know, have those habits of being a great mom? And it's because we have a lot of these traits that are associated with those things, okay? So we believe in our kids, right? Mom, do you believe in me? You do, right? Uh, she cares about me. She loves me, okay? And my mom, she is a great mom, okay? Uh, and she's always been a great mom. She has always had the habits of a great mom, okay? She was always there. She's always working hard, okay? Uh, so these are the things that we kind of think about that we associate with our good habits, okay? Bad habits, okay? It's kind of that idle hands or the devil's workshop kind of thing, right? A lot of our bad habits are going to be associated with things where we maybe have, you know, loose time on our hands, okay? And then we aren't filling that time productively because we don't have a system in place to fill that time productively, okay? If you guys are waking up tomorrow morning, it's Sunday morning. Most people don't have a lot of stuff to do on Sunday morning, okay? Some people choose to fill that with faith and church, some people choose to fill that with family time. Some people leave that time loose, and if that loose time is just left that way and you don't have a plan for it, then a lot of times that's when we're gonna start having that time filled with cell phones, right? Things that aren't maybe sleeping, oversleeping, hitting the snooze button a couple times, some of those things, okay? So as you guys are thinking about that, as we start kind of working forward, think about how you guys think about the habits that you have and why we maybe have some of those bad habits, okay? So, a couple of uh, pictures that I kind of found because we're gonna talk a little bit about, you know, electronics, electronic depression, okay? Uh, and uh, I found this one on the left and the bottom one is one, you know, speaks really well to me, but maybe the top ones are ones for you guys with kids that maybe uh, speak to you guys a little bit. And, um, and you know, it's, it's kind of trying to call to that attention um, what the dividers between us in our relationships are uh, and kind of thinking about, you know, this, this line mentality is when we have loose time, right? There's no system for when you guys kind of sit inside of a line at Chipotle or, you know, that's always a big one for me, Starbucks, whatever it might be for you, wherever you're sitting in line, okay? Uh, you guys look around, right? Pay attention to what people are doing. As soon as we have this moment where there's nothing to be done for that current period of time, Okay, what are we, what's our immediate system? Okay, is it to talk with new people? Is it to immediately pull out our cell phone and kind of scroll through, you know, inter internet, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it might be, okay? And so habits and emotions have this kind of natural relationship, okay? If we think about good habits, we talked about they breed positive emotions. They have positive things that are associated with them. Bad habits breed a lot of negative emotions, okay? Uh, this quote's one of my favorites, okay? The key to success is emotional stability, okay? 
So kind of be thinking about that. How do we create emotional stability? It is something that we can work towards, that we can actually take time to build and develop, okay? And we kind of think about that. Uh, you know, we think about maybe a toddler, maybe not a baby, right, but a toddler, okay? And if we think about what are the habits of that toddler, okay? Does that toddler, you know, go out? Are they running and jumping and playing and being a natural kid all the time, right? Are they eating a natural diet? Or are we feeding them too much sugar and making them sit inside and play on electronics? What are the habits that they have already developed, okay? And those habits, what we've started to see now, as a lot of these studies have started to come out, the more sugar that we're giving, the more screen time that we're giving, the less emotionally stable that the kids are, right? So it's that kind of same thing. We don't change that much from adults to kids, okay? Our, our tantrums don't look quite like this, right? They maybe look a little bit different. They're maybe being short-tempered with your spouse, okay? Or they're being frustrated and irritated at work or with the people around you, being short in your conversations, not being present, okay? Those are huge ones. But we think about that, and if our habits don't, don't get us into the mindset of having that good, solid emotional stability, then our relationships will suffer. And if our relationships suffer, a lot of times our work's going to suffer and our families are going to suffer. Okay? So I put that building that emotional stability or building habits, right? It's tough work. Okay? Take some time. So uh, if you guys know me, uh, I'm, I've become a bit uh, obsessed, some might say, uh, with the idea of personal development or just development generally, always working to be a little bit better, okay? As a person, as a boss, as, you know, a lover, a husband, a son, whatever it is, okay? You guys can pick which area you guys really want to target, but just generally being a better person, okay? And so we have to have this constant pursuit of development. And what, what the big reason I think is, is you don't, at, throughout your entire life, you're going to be changing and the people around you are going to be changing. And so as we get closer and closer to different kind of transition points in our life, the habits necessary to go through those different changes are going to change. Okay. So if we take Andy as a good example right now, okay, right now he's a man, a wife and a dog. Okay. And if you guys don't know, his wife's eight months and one week pregnant. Okay. So his life's about to get a little bit more difficult. It's going to change. Okay. Now, what's going to have to happen when that moment comes? Cole, you want to answer that one for me? <laughs> yeah, right? So uh, he's going to have to have a little bit more dialed-in timelines. Like, his habits are going to have to adjust to meet that new upcoming change, okay? And so all throughout our life, these transition points are going to happen. We're going to change jobs. We're going to move to new cities. Our kids are going to have kids, okay? whatever it's going to be, we're going to have all these transition points and each transition point is going to come with new habits. Okay. So you need to constantly be in a state of developing yourself. So as these transition points come and go, your habits kind of change and mold with them. All right. So I put up here the keystone habit and this is kind of the pursuit that we're only seeking. Okay. If you guys don't know what a keystone is to build an archway. Okay. This is your last piece that you put in, but it supports all the other pieces around it. Okay. So once we lock that in, it's now a solid, stable structure that stands freely. And they're very, very strong, okay, architecturally. And so when we're thinking about that, what is the one habit that we can put in place that is going to help all of the rest of our habits kind of lock in place, be dialed in, and become kind of this firm, strong structure? And that's kind of what we're thinking about. And obviously, if you guys know me, 
I'm obviously big on health and wellness and nutrition being that driving force, being that keystone habit. If we can get that stuff dialed in, take care of ourselves, right? Making sure that we have good emotional stability, then everything else will kind of carry from there, okay? So that's kind of what we're thinking. Now, uh, breaking habits, okay? So we're gonna talk about both. We're gonna talk about building habits and breaking habits, all right? Because some people are gonna have to have bad habits that they gotta break, and some people are just gonna be in that boat where I need to maybe start thinking about how I can build a new habit, okay? So what if we let become a massive oak, all right? So trying to think about habits that you've had for 20, 30 years are gonna be extremely hard to break, okay? If we get people who are 40, 50, 60, and they're coming in, and they're gonna be working on fitness and nutrition for the first time in their entire lives, gonna be tough right they've never taken five to six hours out of their week to dedicate to exercise they've never you know meal prepped on a Sunday ever right so now we're trying to think about changing all of these different things that they've implemented right use my dad as an example right ate cereal for how many years mom probably 50 years right every single morning okay breaking that habit man it was tough right and he still probably still probably does eat some cereal right doesn't he Grain free cereal. Okay, so he's working on it. All right, uh, we try. We got him on a little bit different something, but we're 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 chipping away, right? And so it's kind of that like old dogs are tough to teach new tricks kind of a thing. But the big reason why is those habits that we put in place. That's the system that we've kind of worked our life around. Okay, and you get very comfortable inside of those systems. And rip, ripping out, if you guys have ever seen, I think I might even yeah have it on the next slide. Okay. Breaking down a tree this size. Yeah, it's the biggest tree I could find, right? So that's the biggest oak I could find. So that's like eating cereal for 90 years, okay? Um, but we think about that, like that's a lot of work, okay? Taking down a tree that big, it's got big roots, okay? Uh, it's gonna take, it's probably gonna take a team of people. It's gonna take support, it's gonna take help. It's gonna take knowing why we're doing it, okay? And so we need to think about how we can start kind of chipping away and chopping that stuff down. And one of the big things that we start to see is people try to come in after 40 to 50 years of maybe bad nutritional habits or bad exercise habits, and what do they try to do? They try to take it out with one chop, right? Just like, oh, I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna crush this 30-day challenge, and I'm gonna be good, right? And they try to just hack the system, okay? That's not the way it works. It's the reason that lottery winners end up broke three years later because they don't have good financial systems in place to take care of that money, okay? The reason that they were playing the lottery a lot of times is they needed the money, okay? And they needed the money because they had poor spending habits. And so more money just amplifies that problem, okay? So it's kind of that same thing. As we start thinking about how do we chip away with some of these health and fitness ones, we have to make sure that we're not trying to hack the system. And as we get closer to this challenge that we're gonna be starting next week, and as we get closer to challenges in the future, we have to think about not what we're gonna hack. We're not gonna to try to knock this all out, right? If our goal is to lose 30 pounds, we're not gonna to try to lose 30 pounds in six weeks. We're gonna to try to set up the systems that we know will get us to lose 30 pounds maybe a year from now, but be able to keep that 30 pounds off for the rest of our life, okay? And that's kind of what we're thinking about with this. So, um, yeah, that's kind of our hacking thing, all right? Now, uh, when we start thinking about changing our own habits, okay, um, this is one of the biggest things that I try to think about, right? It's so important how you talk about what you're doing, what you're going to spend your time doing, what you're going to be involved with, okay? And what are you going to be proud of, okay? If I were to be talking about you behind your back and you sneak around here and I'm saying, you know what? Maria has the most energy, 
of anybody I've ever met, okay, who's heard something like that before, right? Or said something like that before, right? A lot of people, okay? Now, if she walked around the corner and she heard that, she'd be proud to hear that, right? She takes pride in her energy, in her involvement with people, okay? And so that's what we're kind of thinking about, right? If, if we're going to be having that kind of thought process where that's going to be a habit or a characteristic, a trait that we are associated with, are we going to be proud of it? And if you're not going to be proud of it, it's probably not going to be worth pursuing. Because again, if we go back to those love emotions, you're not going to be convicted. You're not going to believe in it. The people around you aren't necessarily going to support you because they maybe don't know if you even actually care. Okay. And so you'll see a lot of times us as coaches, we get to sit down and do consultations with people. We get to hear their goals. And I always try to tell the coaches, don't let transparent goals be the keystone of your conversation. Okay. So if somebody says, you know, I want to lose 10 pounds, that's eh, kind of a transparent goal. Why do we want to lose 10 pounds? What are you going to be proud of if you lose 10 pounds? What's going to change in your life if you lose 10 pounds? Okay. Oh, well, my husband will find me more attractive. And I think that we're maybe going to be, you know, more sexually involved, right? Sorry, kids, right? Um, whatever it's going to be, okay? We're going we're gonna to be, we're going to be more loving with each other because of that. It's like, okay, great. Like now that's, that's not as transparent of a reason, right? Now that's something you want a better relationship, okay? And you think that losing 10 pounds is going to help assist that. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, but we can start talking about other things going along those kind of same lines, okay? And then why will you be proud of it, all right? So trying to think about those two things, not just what will you be proud of, but why will you be proud of it? And can you articulate that to the people in your life that are going to support you, okay? So if I can sit there and I can tell Omar, you know, hey, I really want to start dialing in my nutrition this month, okay? And Omar asks you why. Say, well, you know, I've felt really lazy. I've felt lethargic. Okay, I haven't felt good about myself. I've been staying up later at night, right? I've started drinking beer again, started doing X and Y and Z. Okay, and I tell Omar that. And then Omar's going to do what? He's going to support me. He's going to ask me questions about it, okay? He's going to start helping mentor me and give me answers and doing those things, okay? But if I let him down in that, now we've lost that pride factor, right? I need to do something that I can stand up tall and be proud that I'm sharing with other people, okay? And if we don't have that with the habits that we're trying to change, they're gonna be very flimsy. They're gonna be very easily broken. It's not gonna grow those kind of firm roots that we're looking for. So how do we accomplish this, right? 60-foot tree isn't built overnight, okay? So if we're building out an oak, right, we gotta kind of nourish that thing, right? We gotta get sunlight, gotta get its water, all that fun stuff, okay? Um, so we have to make sure that we understand our why and our what, okay? And then once we've kind of done that, now we can start moving forward and looking at what are the obstacles that stand in my way, okay? And these are some of the biggest things, I think, for people. If you guys are going to sit there, you should be able to not only articulate your goal and articulate your goal to the people that are going to support you and be in your life for kind of going after that goal, but you're also, you should be able to sit and write down, these are the biggest obstacles and why I haven't already achieved this, and then this is the biggest obstacle that I foresee moving forward, okay? And so cell phones, if we go back to that one, has a bad one, okay, that I'm working on, right? It's like, what are the obstacles that stand in my way? Well, Facebook is super addictive, right? They make money off of being super addictive, right? But we try to think about the obstacles that stand in my way are that I don't do well with loose time, okay? I need things to be structured. I need things to be on a calendar, okay? So for me, if I have loose time, 
It's like my family, my coaches, they support me in finding loose time, but sometimes they, they can probably tell, right? I don't like that all the time, right? I like things to be structured, right? I like to know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And so for me to get home at, you know, 6.30, but not have anything to go home and do, then that's gonna be something that's an obstacle for me. So I need to figure out different things that I can start to do with that time and dial that in. So maybe I write thank you cards for an hour because gratitude is one of the habits that I wanna build, right? So we can start kind of thinking about that. And then as we start thinking about the obstacles, this is what our coaches and our community are amazing for, okay? Is think about somebody who has overcome that same obstacle that you are trying to overcome, okay? So for me, I like to talk to Tom, for those of you guys who remember Tom, okay? Tom is the most, like, the best cell phone person you'd ever meet in your entire life. He has, like, the world's crappiest, like, phone, and he never brings it with him. Maria's actually really good with it, too. Um, but you kind of think about it. He's never had Facebook. He's never had, I think now he has an Instagram. But, like, he never has any of these things. And he's never been involved. He's never been consumed with it. He's never worried about it at all. And what is he? He's super present in all of his conversations. He's always there for people. He's reliable. He's a good friend, okay? And a big reason, I think, why is because he is always so present. He's never, I don't have my phone on me, but he's never this guy talking to you. It's like, uh-huh, yeah, cool. What? Yeah, yeah. So you're just like out to dinner and he's and, and you meet people and you see this all the time, right? Uh, that was never Tom. He's always looking you right in the eyes. He's always involved in the conversation. And if you guys ever talk to people who know Tom or know Tom well, they have a love for him. Everybody does, right? He's a hugger. He's people that, like, he comes in, he's proud of you, he's happy to see you, okay? Yeah, Adrian's smiling. Adrian loves Tom, right? Um, and so we kind of think about that. So Tom's a mentor. I talk to him all the time about that stuff, right? How can I be better with that, right? Um, so try to think about that as we go. Find a mentor, find somebody who has already overcome the obstacle that you guys are struggling with, okay? So nutrition-wise, you guys have coaches, pretty much every coach that's going to be involved in our, our facility, I'm proud to say, is pretty dialed in on nutrition, and they've all worked on nutrition, right? If you guys ever talked to Jenny about it, she's worked on nutrition a lot. She's gone through everything that you can possibly imagine with nutrition, okay? A lot of the coaches have. Amanda has. She goes dates back to the paleo challenges when our seminars were not quite this nice, right? Um, and so, uh, so you kind of those those conversations are are simple, right? Nutritional conversations for us are relatively simple. There you go, Eric. Um, and so, uh, so that's kind of what we're thinking about in terms of finding that stuff, right? And some sometimes it's hard to find mentors with that, uh, but that's kind of what what I envision our community doing for each other, right? Is, uh, is being able to mentor and coach each other towards some of those things, okay? Uh, so this is kind of a, this is the thing that I think about, right? Is, is how can we give each other, how can I give you, how can we give the person next to us, ourselves a little bit more? How can we give you guys the tools, the help, the support, okay? That's why I think it's cool that as a community, a lot of us are signed up already for the Whole Life Challenge, but a lot of people are going to be doing that. I think that's what's so cool about it, right? Is everybody is a new tool in that toolkit. Every person that joins that Whole Life Challenge or is going to be here and support each other through it, they're a new tool in that toolkit. They bring a whole different skill set and a whole different group of habits that might be really beneficial to somebody else, okay? Amanda might have her nutrition dialed in, but she might really struggle with sleep. She might really struggle with drinking water. Okay. 
I can help her with drinking water. Never been a problem for me, okay? Um, so that's kind of what we're thinking about is, is how can we kind of utilize those people around us? And if you guys haven't already looked at the Whole Life Challenge uh, website and you guys are signed up for it, they have a lot of really good resources on there, right? Articles, right? Nutrition guides, videos, all kinds of stuff on there on how to help you with each of the habits that are going to be kind of that we're going to be aiming to, to build, okay? So as we start thinking about that, what I want you guys to think about is we're going to be trying to kind of think about breaking one bad habit and building a new habit, okay? Just one, right? And that's all I really want you guys to focus on. So once we get to the whole life challenge stuff, we'll talk about that just a little bit more. But what we think about is, you know, that kind of Gandhi quote, if we skip forward, all right? Uh, beliefs become your thoughts, your thoughts become your words, okay? And then words become action. So it's so important with how we talk about ourselves, how we talk about other people, okay? How we build other people up uh, and, and try to think about how those words will start to become kind of our habits, okay? Uh, and I'm a firm believer in this and trying to think again, this, this is kind of a different way of saying what we said earlier where your habits kind of define you, right? Your habits will define you as a person. It's that same thing, your habits and your values and your values become your destiny. So that will define you, right? Um, and trying to think about as we kind of grow forward, how we kind of uh, are remembered and then how the people around us are going to be speaking about us. And again, trying to think about what are they not saying already that you wish they were saying and what are they maybe saying about you that you wish they weren't saying, okay? Um, and those are kind of things that I like to think about as, uh, as ways to motivate myself. So uh, if you guys have listened to the podcast at all, you guys know this is sort of my, uh, my equation, right? This is what the, the thing that I kind of think about all the time, okay? So first, we have to be aware of the issue. And a lot of times, self-awareness is, uh, and the coaches will tell you, this is, this is A number one for a lot of people. We're just not there yet. We're not being honest with ourselves. We're not being honest with ourselves about why we maybe want to lose weight, why we want to be more fit, why we are unhappy, right? We're not being honest with ourselves enough about that because it's just not maybe convenient for us at the time or we're not facing those truths harshly enough, okay? Uh, and a lot of times that can be, you know, the people that we surround ourselves with. If you have friends that are going to call you out on your stuff, that's usually a huge benefit, okay? So we try to think about surrounding ourselves with people that will do that for us. Find the system to fix the issue, right? So a lot of times that might be, you know, hey, we have to find a new nutrition plan. We have to find a meal plan. We have to find whatever it might be that's going to help kind of fix that issue. If it is losing weight, that's going to be a system that we need to find, okay? If it's something else, we need to think about, um, you know, where might we be able to find that system, okay? So if it's exercise, obviously we do that also. But if it's religious or spiritual or something like that, we might need to go and find a priest or a new church or somebody else who's spiritual, okay? Uh, and then implementing that system. And obviously this is, the, this is the hard part, okay? Is making sure that we are doing that consistently and that system is being implemented the way it's supposed to be, all right? So I always tell people uh, a story, and Angela's not here, so we can throw her under the bus, but I love her. Um, so we were doing a, an original paleo challenge, okay? And we were talking about grams of protein. And as we start talking about this in a second, Andy will dive into this probably a little bit more. Grams of protein. Well, she thought that on a scale, those were actual literal grams of protein, and that's what she was eating every day. So if you guys ever think about weighing out like 120 grams of chicken, and that's all the protein that you eat all day. Well, that's not very much food, okay? Um, so after about a week, she comes up to me and she's just like, 
something's just not right. Like I am, I am starving. Like, is this normal? And I'm like, no, you should feel like you're eating way more protein than you ever have. And so she starts telling me and it's like, oh yeah. Okay. So she wasn't implementing the system the right way. Right. So we fixed that and then she was successful with that. Okay. And then we think about how do we uh, do that kind of consistently over time. So again, it's that idea, right? Everything up to implementing the system is kind of planting the seed, right? And from there, then it's nurturing, right? Doing it consistently is kind of how we get to it being a small tree, a big tree, and then growing some really firm roots so that we kind of can't rip it out of the ground, okay? So as we think about the whole life challenge, because um, that's kind of what we're centered around is our next uh, thing that's right in front of us. It is a habit change seminar, okay? That's what it is, right? It's not a weight loss seminar. It's not a, it's not a nutrition uh, challenge. It's not a exercise challenge okay it is those things if that is the habit that we want to be working on okay otherwise maybe not okay mitchell's been really dialed in his nutrition he works out five days a week maybe six days a week every single week without fail when's the last time you didn't do that can't can't remember right it's been a long time he's very systemized noon class monday tuesday wednesday thursday off friday saturday every week okay um so we try to think about that maybe exercise isn't going to be too much of a worry for him okay so we start going down the list then. What is it going to be, okay? We can make these whatever we want it to be, okay? You're not absolutely forced into doing the challenge the way that they say you have to do the challenge or the way that the challenge parameters maybe give you. So nutrition was a big one for people last year, okay? Nutrition, you can get a five or you can get a zero, okay? Now, what's a five? Different for everybody, right? What's a zero? different for everybody. Okay. A five for my dad might be not eating cereal and that's it. Nothing else matters, right? He's going to fix this one habit and that's it. Okay. That's all he's focused on for the whole challenge. So if he doesn't eat cereal in the morning, boom, he gets five. Okay. Don't pay attention to the rest of that other stuff. doesn't matter. That's not the goal. Okay. Trying to fix one small system first, right? And if we fix that small system, then we're good to go. Okay. But if I told him, you have to stop eating cereal and you have to change. Now you can't put sugar in your coffee. Okay. And you can't have that banana. Okay. And you can't, and when you go to lunch, right now you have to eat, you know, salad and you have to have dressing on the side and you have to have, you know, fish or chicken. Okay. Then for dinner, you're you, vegetables only. Okay. And also you see how now it becomes this thing where a five is so much more. Okay. And it might not be sustainable for him yet because we're still need to work on just that first one. Okay. So that's kind of what we're thinking about. Don't make the five, this big grand thing. Try to think about a five, a perfect score is you accomplishing your one goal. Okay. Your one system, your one habit that you're trying to build over this next six weeks. Okay. And if we can develop that one habit, that one system, and think about how cool it is. Like it's people, everybody's trying, we're all in a big hurry, right? Not a lot of people are super patient anymore. And myself, I'm probably one of the worst at that, okay? Um, but think about if every six weeks you like put a system in place and fixed a habit like that, right? It was breakfast for the six weeks and the next six weeks it's lunch and then it's a snack and then it's dinner. It's like six months from now, you'd have nutrition 100% dialed in for the rest of your life, right? But everybody's trying to do it all at once and then we crash and then we fade, and then we fall, and then six months later, the statistics are back, right? 90% of all cha challengers fail six months later, and by fail, that means that they are heavier or worse shape than they were when they, when they started the challenge, okay? 
So trying to think about that. That's what I. That's how I want you guys to take this challenge on. Okay, mobility, sleep, right? Sleep's a big one. Okay, trying to think about maybe one thing I'm going to try to do. Okay, I'm going to try to wear a sleep mask for the next six weeks. Okay, because total blackout does a lot for deep sleep. Okay, maybe I'm going to try to do no electronics before bed for six weeks. Okay, a lot of big ones like that really carry a lot of weight. But trying to think instead about like the sleep again. If I tell you. So five was a zero, okay? Some people, it's like six hours. Like, oh man, I got six hours. That's awesome. That's incredible, okay? If you guys know Maria, she's like, I need nine hours minimum, okay? <laughs> I know. Seriously. That's why I should in bed at like nine o'clock every day. Um, but that's what you think about, right? She needs to have that sleep to have the energy like, that she likes to bring to people throughout the day, okay? And she knows when she doesn't have that, she's not as present of a person. She's not as good of a coach, Okay. She's not as uh, aware of, you know, everybody's kind of that, um, what's the, what's the word? emotional, um, awareness. Okay. She doesn't, she doesn't actually feel people as, as well when she's not well slept. Okay. And so she gets agitated and frustrated and those aren't adjectives that are normally associated with her. Okay. And so when we think about that sleep for her is maybe a five is very different than sleep for somebody else. Okay. So trying to think about, does that make sense to everybody? Everybody, how we're going to kind of do the fives and the zeros and the perfect scores and that, okay? And then if we're thinking about how we're going to take away the bad, okay, what we're going to chop down again, don't try to chop down something that you guys have had in place for 20 years in the next six weeks, okay? It's a fool's errand. It's not going to work, okay? Try instead to think about how can I maybe, you know, do it a little bit at a time or what is maybe the long-term vision of what that looks like, okay? And so for you right now, right? Kelly, Cole, maybe a seven hour straight night sleeps, not in the cards. Okay. Is it? Nice. I love it. Yeah. Nice. Wow. I love it. All right. Yeah. I, lo I love being proven wrong, right? Never did. Okay. So we'll use them as an example. Kennedy, what are you doing? All right. Um, but we think about that. Maybe that's not in the cards. Okay. So maybe something else, uh, they're going to implement something small and they can maybe trade off nights or do something along those lines, right? Everybody's life circumstances is going to be something different, but how can we chop away at some of those bad habits that we maybe haven't been doing well uh, over the last few years and make a small chop in that piece of wood so that we can maybe attack it later. And then with our good habits putting in place, it'll kind of take that over. Okay. All right. So what are your guys' questions on the whole life challenge? And then does anybody have any questions on habit change stuff? Either or. I'll take either right now. The only thing that there is like a one, two, three, four, four. Yeah, most everything is a five or a zero. Yep, yep. There are there. I think there's one thing that has like a one through five. What? Deviate is one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Takes one away. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's good. Right, and everything else for the most part is either I did it or I didn't do it. Okay. Um, and so for exercise, it's 10 minutes a day. Okay. For mobility, um, I think it's that you spent, again, some time. Sleep, you set your own goal. Hydration is, I think, your body weight in ounces or something, or um, half your body weight in ounces. Well being, they have a different challenge every single week uh, that you guys can take on. Uh, some people really like some of those, some people did not. So um, we're kind of maybe thinking about doing our own. But again, I would like you guys to maybe think about what is my own well being challenge. Okay. And then uh, reflection is do you journal or catalog your own thoughts for that day? Um, 
which is public. And so for us, um, that was honestly, that was probably my favorite piece, but by the end of the challenge last year, uh, most people were kind of out on it. But uh, I really enjoyed reading what people decided to take on and uh, kind of being a little bit more involved with that. That helped me help you guys, hold you guys more accountable. That helped us have uh, a little bit deeper conversations with people who were really dialed in on the reflection stuff. So it's not easy. Um, you know, I think sometimes like, it's always at the end of the day, they like open up a window and it's like, hey, tell us about everything. And like, you're on your cell phone. It's like, well, I'm not supposed to be on the, literally the one was like, not supposed to be on my cell phone right now because I'm supposed to be doing no screens before bed. Um, but uh, you can do it kind of the next day. So they're a little bit uh, lenient with that. Anything else? No? Good, thank you. You guys ready for Andrew? Good, yeah? Awesome, thanks. Dave. Uh, okay, guys. Well, hey, thanks for taking some time out of your football Saturday to come here. Uh, I would imagine that everyone in this room is here to try and work on something. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here, right? Trying to find some information out, trying to better yourself in some way. Um, so thanks for doing that. Also want to tell Jeff thank you as well for hosting this because I think it's going to benefit a lot of people over the course of the next six weeks and hopefully beyond that. So thanks for hosting this and getting this all set up. Um, so real quick, I just wanted to do, I saw some unfamiliar faces in here, so I'm happy I put this slide in. Um, but more or less wanted to share with you guys like who I am, because I know a lot of you guys might just know me as a coach or a nutrition coach here. Um, but I do want to let you guys know that uh, I am a registered and licensed dietitian in the state of Ohio. So we had to go through a little bit additional schooling and an internship program that I did through Mount Carmel um, to get my degree. And it's very much science and evidence-based nutrition practice stuff. Uh, so I graduated with, uh, from OSU with this guy right here in the front. David's also a dietitian. Uh, so if you ever see him in passing, you can always ask him some questions. Uh, but we really wanted to differentiate. We, we are not nutritionists. And, and the big difference being anyone can call themselves a nutritionist. If you know one food fact and you share that with someone, you can call yourself a nutritionist. Uh, so when we get into talking about different things, yeah, congratulations. A lot of people just <laughs> resume builder. A lot of people just added a line to their resume. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing is, you know, when we get start to talking about weight management, writing meal plans, uh, helping someone with their diabetes or uh, their high cholesterol, that's where our expertise comes into play. And that's where really we can be an asset to any health team. Um, so a lot of my history is in the clinical realm. I did clinical uh, in the hospital setting for seven years in a neurology uh, setting. Uh, so lots of tube feeding, lots of really sick people. So now I have the benefit of catching people on the front end of the spectrum. So uh, again, thanks to Jeff for letting me live that out. I appreciate that. Uh, so kind of building off Jeff's habit conversation, um, this is one of my favorite things uh, to talk to people about. Don't simply rely on your motivation of, you know, I really want to lose those 10 pounds to look good for my cruise in a few weeks, but uh, rely on the discipline that comes from that habit change. So that why that he was talking about. Uh, so a lot of people, when they come in and they're like, hey, I want to start CrossFit, uh, they see it very idealized on the internet. They see Matt Frazier pumping out some iron, hitting some good workouts. Uh, they're looking at the top of that pyramid. They're, they're ready to come in the doors and just get started. Um, so they really have it upside down. And you might see CrossFit and uh, even some stuff that we're sharing where that pyramid is flipped upside down, where that nutrition piece is on the bottom. Uh, and that's really where the start to any good change, uh, especially when it comes to fitness, uh, weight loss, any health 
parameters that we're looking to improve on, uh, we have to make sure we're dialed in with that nutrition. So uh, I hope you guys can, can learn from that and uh, hopefully see the benefit in that. And uh, we'll dive into that a little bit more. Uh, so again, excuse the formatting, but uh, as far as the whole life challenge is concerned, this is their stance. This is when it comes to those three tiers that we can choose. They simply say, eat nutritious and healthful foods. Uh, so trying to make it nice and simple for us, we tend to make things very difficult when in reality it can be very simple. So I really liked this quote. I wanted to put that up for you guys uh, to not, again, building off habit change, not get overwhelmed by changing everything in your nutrition tomorrow. Uh, just focus on one aspect that can be hugely impactful uh, and just making it as simple as possible. So, and that's what we talk about a lot in, uh, in counseling sessions and, you know, in, in passing in class. So keep that in mind when you guys are thinking about that and what your main goal is with your nutrition for this. Uh, so as far as the whole life challenge is concerned, you guys, uh, if you had signed up, can I get a quick show of hands? Are you guys signed up? Who signed up? Awesome. Oh, it's like this half of the room and not that half, but good. Uh, so just to give you guys a little bit of insight into what you're looking at, once you sign up, uh, part of your profile creation is choosing the level of nutrition you want to follow during the challenge. So there are yeah, animations are working. Yes. All right. Uh, so three levels to choose from here. So the very basic one is like the kickstart level. So this would be, you know, maybe you have never done any meaningful nutrition uh, work. Um, you really don't know where to start. Maybe a little confused about nutrition or what it is. Uh, this is called the kickstart level. So really just getting started, looking for the right way to kick things off. Uh, and it basically is a much more broad brushstroke to what we're going to be doing. So uh, it'll ask you to limit refined grains that come from like processed breads, you know, uh, a loaf of bread, bless you. Um, any candy cheeses with the dairy. It's not all dairy, just cheeses. Uh, and then the fun stuff, beer, soda, fried foods. Okay. This can be a really great way, again, to make a simple change, to make a really impactful start to your nutrition. The next level is called the lifestyle. Uh, now this is, and I'll tell a story in a second, I, I weaned down to the lifestyle last year. Uh, so middle ground, uh, basically looking to create some sustainable nutrition around whole, nutritious, delicious foods. So pretty much one step up, kind of getting into like a, uh, a more healthful, uh, nutritious, whole-based foods. And you guys can see what we're limiting there. Um, getting a little bit more in depth on label reading, limiting sugar alcohols, uh, things like maple syrup, milk, things that might, people might not necessarily think are bad for us, and they're not, um, but just will help optimize our performance and optimize our health. So the last one being the performance. So this is your interest in peak performance and mindful of inflammation. Uh, so, you know, I walked in last year, and I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna be ready. I'm gonna knock out this performance thing. And thankfully, uh, we can edit the type of challenge we're doing until the sixth. So you have about seven days to try it out. So I remember I was talking with Baby Bear. I'm like, all right, we can do this. And she was, uh, like Jeff said in his podcast, very anal about what was on the approved food list. Uh, and peanut butter being one of my favorite foods is not on the performance food list. And that's where I about lost it. So uh, it's really, again, uh, for me, I was kind of, I wanted to take it as a challenge to clean some things up a little bit, but I really wasn't ready to jump into that like full out performance more paleo-esque diet um, or nutrition focus, I should say. So, you know, I would encourage you guys, if you are, you know, thinking, you know, maybe kickstart's right for me, but I wanna try the lifestyle option, give it a try for a few days. You know, you can always edit it for the challenge purposes and drop down to kickstart if you want, uh, or from some of you higher level athletes or veterans in here, maybe the performance option would be an awesome challenge for you guys. So think about that, and it is on the website. You can see the full description of the food lists, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, so 
our track for success. How do we survive the whole life challenge? How do we be successful in this? Uh, so basically, once you choose your tier, uh, I would recommend by starting to find out what foods to avoid. And this is where we kind of baby bear jumped in. So she committed that rule book to memory. She printed it off color PDF right on the refrigerator. Uh, and I would recommend doing something like that. And basically what you'll find is no matter what tier you choose, uh, and this is just a general like pro tip from any dietitian you talk to, uh, really shopping the perimeter of the store is where your safe zone is going to be. And if you really think about that, it's going to be your produce, your vegetables, your butcher shop where your seafood and meat are, uh, and then sometimes, you know, the dairy that we have, uh, you know, some milk, some eggs, all the good stuff. So that's a very good tip. Um, now, it's not to say that there aren't good things in the center aisles, because there is, uh, but in general, if you were to follow something like that, you're pretty much in good shape. Uh, so as far as identifying the bad foods, uh, this is something where some people do struggle with. Uh, and I think one of the easiest things is when you are purchasing something and if it is from the center aisles, turn that package over, try and read that food list. If you can't pronounce some of those things, they look like they should be in some, uh, atom bomb or an ant killer somewhere. You probably shouldn't be putting that in your body. So think about that. Um, other foods that require like little to no prep, those ready to eat frozen foods or dinners, uh, those aren't going to be the best thing for us as well. Um, will also be not allowed on any of the food lists as far as what you're choosing for the whole life challenge. Uh, but then this one is a, a big one as far as producing a pro-inflammatory response in our body. So think about last time you had something that maybe wasn't all that great and you woke up the next morning, maybe uh, congested, had a little bit of mucus, you didn't sleep great, you woke up, your body felt a little weird, um, felt bloated, GI system wasn't working great, uh, that's probably a good indication that that food was not for you. And I'm sure we can all think about like maybe going out to a meal or splurging a little bit with friends. Um, that's something too that maybe that should be something you should try and maybe make that your nutrition focus. Just gear back from that and uh, see if you can build from that habit. So for us, uh, I like to talk a little bit about what is your why? So beyond fitness, beyond what we're doing in here on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, what's the long game, right? What, what are we really talking about? And that for me is longevity, a healthful life and a, a long and healthful life where we can maintain the quality of that life and uh, stay functional, stay healthy and stay independent. So really this is kind of the cascade that we end up finding when we really don't make nutrition a priority. Over time, we can obviously know it leads to some excess weight gain, which creates this hormonal cascade in our body that then leads to feelings of lethargy and depression. From that point, it becomes a very cyclical issue that's really hard to break. So that's why it's super helpful to start to recognize those habits early and start to tackle those. So for me, when it came to um, you know, thinking about well, why am I doing this for my nutrition to be around for my family and be independent and be healthy, you know, these things prompt the following conditions, right? We can have some elevated blood pressure, high cholesterol, which ultimately can lead to heart disease, uh, high A1C level, which is a diabetic biomarker. Uh, so that can ultimately lead to diabetes. Prediabetes is one of the most um, highly diagnosed conditions now from physician's offices, because it's just a simple blood test. Uh, and then obviously excess fat surrounding our vital organs, um, including our brain and our liver can lead to some liver disease and dementia. Uh, and then as well as some high inflammatory markers consuming those refined products, those things that are not uh, designed to help our bodies perform optimally can ultimately lead to some cancer biomarkers as well. So think about beyond what you guys are doing just for the next six weeks, right? Think about, you know, a lot of people have families here. Um, maybe even a family history of some of these diseases. When you have that first degree relative, it really increases that risk. 
So think about that. Think of the long game uh, to get really uh, a strong why behind what you're doing here. And I wanted to share this here, uh, and I know it's kind of blurry on the bottom, but this just came by this week. This is one of our athletes here in the gym. Uh, these were his biomarkers from October 2016 to December 2017. We can see a little bit of an uptick in some of those things. Blood pressure got a little bit worse. Body fat percentage got worse. His weight went up about 10 pounds, and then he kicked into CrossFit in the beginning of the year, January 1st. And you can see from January to September, dropped about 15 pounds. His body fat percentage plummeted beyond where he was in October. All of his other biomarkers improved. So this is like the real cool stuff underneath the hood, I like to call it, that you don't see on a common day-to-day -day basis. Um, so there really can be awesome improvements and you know, just really tackling on some good nutrition habits and good exercise habits that can make a, a significant impact for the long run. So uh, a lot of times we talk about in uh, the health clinics, you know, where nutrition can play a significant role. Oh, we gotta go back. All right, thank you. So uh, these are the top 10 causes of death in the United States. So this encompasses 75% of all deaths recorded. Uh, and I put a little asterisk on the bottom. The top two are going to account for over half of those deaths. And we can see out of those 10, six are nutrition and lifestyle related. So that's really, um, my point to help kind of hammer in home, we, we can really create some big change in our life and uh, our life outcome if we can really t talk about and focus on nutrition being uh, playing a significant role in our overall health and what we do. So sorry to use that word death. It's pretty, pretty intense. Now we'll bring the mood back up. All right. Oh, wow. Okay. Let's make this a little bit bigger. We got this. That's super small. Let's see if we can do this. Whoop. Oh, oh no, I'm, I am control Zing. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Pause. There we go. I wonder if we can just keep it this size and go from there. Sorry to all the listeners at home. All right, can you guys see that okay? Ish. All right, I'm going to be going through the points, so no problem. All right, now to get into the nitty gritty. So uh, introduction to healthful eating to help you guys on your way. Uh, who does not know what a macronutrient is or not, doesn't feel confident maybe describing it? Okay, cool, good. So we'll learn a little something today. So macronutrients, basically these are the nutrients we need in large amounts. We think macro, we think we need them in a larger amount. Uh, these are gonna be what makes up uh, a majority of our energy and how we help our bodies perform and recover and all those things. So we have our carbohydrate, our protein, and our fat. We've heard these terms before, I'm sure. Um, but just understand that when you are talking to a health practitioner, unless you have a condition that requires eliminating something like that, basically it's a red flag for us if we, you know, if I talk to someone, they're like, yeah, listen, I just like don't eat any sort of carb whatsoever. I just eat tons of protein and fat and I live the dream. I'm staring right at Ryan Hastings right now. There he is. I was thinking Jeff was talking about Maria. I'm going to talk a lot about you in this next part, okay? Uh, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but we just know that sustainability, um, maybe optimized performance, aren't going to be able to be achieved if we're going to be eliminating major food groups or major macronutrients. There's a reason why there's a foundational three and they've been kind of all around for generations and thousands of years. So we need to keep those involved in our diet. Um, I do want to mention that this is the information I'm going to share. It's not a one size fit, fits all approach. Uh, anyone who's worked with me know that, knows that. Um, it's very much individualistic. So information you see, 
uh, be gentle if someone's told you something else. So we, it's a little bit more of a, a broad overview. Uh, <laughs> come on, Jeffrey. Yep. Okay. So carbohydrates are our first main group. And basically here, we want to think about uh, our body's main energy source and preferred fuel source. So that often gets skewed in some people's minds. Uh, so our body prefers that all of our energy and aerobic systems are built to consume and digest carbohydrates. Uh, and this really is where it should make up a majority of the calories we consume. So most of the time, uh, it should take anywhere from 40 to 50% of our total calories. So let's say I put you on a thousand calorie diet, which I never would do. Uh, 500 of those calories would come from carbohydrates. Okay, so that's what that means. They contain about four calories per gram. Now that's gram within the food, not grams of bread and other carbs and fruits like that, like Angela had that issue with. Um, but we have two different types, simple providing quick energy, uh, simple meaning our body can easily digest that. There's not much getting in the way to digest and absorb that. Uh, so we can think like maybe a white rice versus a brown rice. Brown rice has a lot more fiber, uh, a few more uh, minerals and micronutrients in there. A little bit easier for our body to digest the white rice than it would be the brown rice. So the white rice will act as a little bit more uh, rapidly used energy source versus the brown taking a little bit longer for our body to digest, break that down and use that as energy. So often we'll talk to our athletes about timing with consuming something like that. Um, if you're about to hit a good workout in about an hour and a half, two hours, Eric suffered from this in the past. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna get the white rice, but he's put a ton of guacamole on that. And then all the fat prevented that from uh, being digested. But you know, you can start with some of that white rice there. Go for it. Mm -hmm. um, so can you go through just, um, you know, again, like, I don't want to make any assumptions, but sure. uh, can you just go through just what would be, you know, let's say like in a general order of priority, where should we, if we're getting 500, you know, 50% of our, our calories from there, how would you prefer to see that in terms of types of carbohydrates? Right. That's a great question. Um, so often I'll talk to uh, my clients or athletes about kind of like red and green light carbohydrates um, because we know, uh, and I think the next slide has some more <laughs> minuscule information here. And this will help. Yeah, do this right here. Um, <laughs> so basically um, we can think about, and it gets back to that initial slide about eating whole nutritious foods. Um, so obviously our body will digest carbohydrates much differently from some fruits. Uh, and you know, a sprouted bread versus a pack of Twizzler pull and peels, right? A little bit different. So uh, a lot of people come to me and they say, hey, you know, I follow this uh, concept if it fits your macros, right? Which basically means God, if sorry, you get your macronutrients in, you get them in. It doesn't matter what source they come from, okay? Um, but I'm much more of a person who talks a little bit more about quality and how your body uses that. And I use the car analogy for that. You wanna put the best possible fuel in a sports car. You don't want to put the diesel that was recycled from some semi-truck. Uh, it's not going to run as well. So uh, as far as the grains or carbohydrates, excuse me, are concerned, this is a uh, pretty good list of what you can find. And this is really where I would push most people to stick to. Uh, you know, we're talking about ancient grains, nice whole, uh, whole base, nutritious foods like quinoa, farro, barley, um, sprouted bread. I often will recommend that to my clients as well versus the standard refined bread that you can uh, put on the shelf and stay there for about two to three weeks. Um, you know, shows that there's a lot of refined pieces to that that's keeping it a little bit more shelf stable. So um, 
again, thinking about shopping the perimeter of that grocery store, that's going to be a, where you're going to want to get a majority of your carbohydrates from. Uh, you know, some uh, starchy vegetables like potatoes, corn, squash, peas, um, your fruits that you can get from that produce section as well. And then not much as far as the grains are concerned. And um, meaning your body can produce obviously much better fuel uh, and much more um, performance driven results if you are consuming better carbohydrates, not some that are man-made or man had his hands in that to make that for you. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Um, also, there are some beans or legumes, you know, chickpeas, black beans, lentils. And then here we have dairy. That will also be considered a part of a carbohydrate. There's lactose in that. So naturally occurring sugars. And then the natural occurring sugar in fruit is fructose. I'm sure we've heard these words before. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because we had someone not too long ago uh, tell us, you know, uh, I've been eating grapefruit for decades. I had no idea that was a carbohydrate. So not knowing uh, or thinking about that in that way, uh, you know, I just wanted to bring that to attention. Um, obviously, we have those added sweeteners as well. You know, we hear a lot about agave, honey, molasses, maple syrup. Those are naturally sweet. We can imagine that there's some carbohydrate in there. Uh, and then lastly, our added sugars. And these are kind of where we raise that red flag. That high fructose corn syrup we hear a lot about. Um, again, you could turn over any label now, even that bread that's refined, that's on the shelf. And within the first three ingredients, there's probably gonna be a sugar in there to make it a little bit more appealing to the public. Any questions about the carbohydrates, guys? Okay, got my technician coming in to fix my fonts. So I have some pro tips on carbohydrates. You know, basically uh, we wanna be choosing whole grains as often as possible. Um, basically from here, uh, non-GMO products as well. Does anyone know what GMO stands for? Correct, genetically modified organisms. So uh, it is not that they're unhealthful. It's a great way to kind of um, create crops that are pesticide resistant and create crops in a large amount. But what they're finding over time is that there is that risk of having a higher heavy metal content, which is that mercury we hear about in fish sometimes, uh, lead, all these things, um, because they're not natural. There, ha there hasn't been time for the plant to adapt to that, to remove those toxins. Um, Sometimes we see that there's increased allergens to these foods, uh, being new strains of DNA within that product. Um, and there's just questionable health benefits as far as being as nutritious as their real counterparts. Uh, so you'll see arguments on both ends of these. But again, if we're thinking about just really making some awesome healthful changes on fueling our body the best we can, uh, sometimes it's best to kind of avoid those GMO products. Uh, and then including variety in fruits and vegetables each day. One of my favorite quotes to tell people is try and eat the colors of a rainbow on any given day. That's gonna make sure you're getting a ton of uh, phytonutrients and a ton of B, uh, excuse me, just regular vitamins and minerals where, and you know, half the time people come to me and they say, hey, I just wanna get some more energy. It's like, well, how many fruits and vegetables are you eating? Not many. And this is where our, our B vitamins come from, where we can get a lot of energy uh, and you can ensure that you're getting a variety kind of just eating different colors that come from blueberries, raspberries, uh, you know, a squash and eggplant, those types of things to get a lot of color into your diet. Uh, more information coming out with dairy, uh, sig significantly impacting GI distress. So that feeling of bloating, um, maybe awkward stools and different timing with that. Um, but also too, a lot more research coming out with, you know, acne and skin. So limiting dairy where you can, um, but if you do consume it, kind of using that more uh, local, organic, 
uh, you know, non-antibiotic sort of products to help kind of ensure that we're getting the best possible product. It's going to be different for everyone. So we, uh, th there's a lactase enzyme in our body that helps break that down and digest that. Uh, and as we grow older, we lose the ability to digest that. So some people, are, they're just genetically predisposed to lose that faster. Uh, so my wife, for example, she's lactose intolerant, can't do it, but I can eat as much dairy as I want. So really, it's uh, more of a feeling on how you do with that. Um, but it definitely plays a role regardless of who you are. Uh, they call it kind of like a low-grade systemic inflammation. And it kind of impacts, this is getting really scientific, but kind of impacts the cellular linings in your GI system just slightly to open it up and then ultimately leak the contents of your GI system into like your body over time. So that's really what creates the inflammation. And that's why we say, you know, limit it the best you can. And if you feel like you do okay with that and your body responds well to it, you can keep doing that. Uh, frozen products are good as far as carbs are concerned. So frozen vegetables, frozen foods, uh, fruits, excuse me. So understand that they're just flash frozen at the peak of ripeness. Uh, so those are good. So don't be too concerned about incorporating those. Uh, that's a big conversation uh, I have. You know, they, people think they always have to buy fresh. They never use it and then it goes bad. Uh, so frozen's absolutely okay to do. Uh, and then, of course, don't discredit any convenient ready-to-eat food. So I know Mitchell's on the jasmine rice game from Trader Joe's. It's ready to go. All you have to do is throw it in the microwave for three minutes. That's an absolutely uh, perfect carb source there. No additives to that. No added sauces or seasonings or anything like that. Um, but, you know, there's ways that we can cut corners to make it a little bit more uh, perfect for you in your lifestyle. Okay. Any questions on that stuff? Awesome. Cool. Awesome. So, uh, you know, a lot of times people come in, you know, they're like, Hey, you know, I'm doing pretty well with my nutrition. Yeah. I'm eating a lot of healthful foods. You know, uh, I got some granola bars. I had some pasta with store-bought sauce last night. Uh, I had like barbecue chicken the other e evening. And then if you really boil it down and depending on what they're working towards, you can find that there's a lot of added sugars in those healthful food products. Uh, biggest one we typically find are sweetened beverages. You know, we can go to Starbucks and get a venti pumpkin spice latte. And next thing you know, you're consuming 60 grams of added sugar from all the sauce that they're putting in there. Um, so there are a lot of tips and tricks to work around this stuff, but it is something to think about. You know, I encourage you all to think about what you do on a daily basis. Uh, see if any of these healthful foods kind of fall into your day to day and uh, start to look at maybe comparing some food labels, seeing if we can make some better choices with that. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. I think that 
again, you know, just asking questions, finding a mentor that you know that's kind of has it pretty dialed in. Um, knowledge is everything here. You know, understanding how to read a food label. Uh, you can go to uh, eatright.org, which is the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics website. A lot of great information for the public on there, but also like how to just read a food label. I don't know if you guys feel super confident in that. It can be kind of confusing. Uh, and that will kind of show you how to look for those added sugars and how to limit those as much as possible. Um, but even more so, uh, you know, I was talking with someone in here not too long ago who just started retracking their food. And her main question was, hey, I found that like I had 70 grams of added sugar in my diet with the food that I was tracking. So that's a great recommendation. You know, take some time, go to MyFitnessPal, track a normal day, kind of see how you measure up and they'll even, MyFitnessPal will offer you recommendations. Like this is where you should be for total added sugars, uh, which my stance is always limit those as much as possible versus shooting for a certain number. So that can be a really good piece to help kind of open your eyes and, and understand that a little bit more. Yep. All right, guys. Continuing with our slides for ants, um, we have a few more here. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So protein, uh, these are the building blocks of our body, right? So we need this to recover from exercise. Uh, they contain essential amino acids, which are the building blocks of protein to help build muscle and recover properly. Uh, so from here, these are gonna make up a much smaller percentage of our total caloric intake. Again, this varies per person. So about 25 to 30% of your total calories. Uh, and then similar to carbohydrate, they contain about four calories per gram as well. Okay. Does anyone, can anyone guess how many calories per, uh, per gram alcohol contains? <laughs> yeah, right, zero, we hope. Not you, David. Uh, so in comparison to a protein or a carb, uh, alcohol contains about seven calories per gram. So we'll talk about alcohol at the end here, um, but basically that's where you can start to see um, one of the low-hanging fruits in our nutrition that we can do is uh, kind of going through there and uh, looking at how much alcohol we're consuming and trying to cut back on that. Although the recommendation is one glass a day for ladies and two for men. Yeah. Sometimes it just kind of depends on what it's uh, distilled from. Um, but you know, you can only take, you have to take in a much smaller amount. So for liquor, it's going to be about two ounces versus wine, which is four, you get four ounces of that. So, um, pretty similar there, but the reason being most people think is because you're taking in a lower quantity at a higher proof that you can kind of hack the system there. Um, but basically it's going to kind of play a significant impact regardless. What's that? Go right. <laughs> Uh, so some pro tips on protein here. These are just, uh, again, some little dietitian hacks. Uh, Grass-fed, wild-caught as much as possible. This is going to uh, increase our omega-3s that we're taking in, and I'll talk about those in a little bit. Um, also going to um, be, of course, much less antibiotic uh, used in raising that product. Uh, and then if you've ever looked up some information about farm-raised fish, it'd be pretty it would change your opinion pretty fast. Lisa and I have had conversations about that. Uh, so trying to have seafood or fish about twice a week, again, getting that omega-3 content in local. It you know, not only helps our local community, but the environment as well. Uh, there's a lot of documentaries out there now about the impact uh, cattle farming has in the United States and what that does. Uh, so I would encourage you to take a look at a couple of those. Um, Lean meats as frequently as possible. So this is gonna help you get the most bang for your buck, especially if you're concerned about your fat calories or counting macros. Um, 
90% or greater when it comes to a couple of these cuts. Uh, poultry, obviously, and fish are going to be our leanest amounts. Um, so a lot of information out there now about fat not having as much of an impact on our total cholesterol and heart health, uh, which is true. It's a little bit more carbohydrate based, but some of us have a higher uh, genetic predisposition to have a higher cholesterol level and be um, more uh, experience that a little bit more significantly. So if you're one of those people who have a heart disease in your family, it's definitely one of those things where you want to be monitoring your fat intake and being cautious with that. A uh, lot of questions about protein powders a lot of the time, and this is kind of uh, our general rule of thumb. So if you're looking at that, greater than 20 grams of protein per serving, less than 15 grams of carb, and less than two grams of fat. Um, also be cautious of the source. A lot of those have a lot of additives, a lot of fillers uh, that's not um, monitored by the FDA. So basically Dash and I can go into our garage and I can start just making protein powder and put a label on it and sell it to you guys and be cool. All right. I should totally do that. What would we call that? Yeah, think about that one. Um, but yeah, questions about protein, guys. Lisa. I guess a quick comment on the fish. Steve and I found at Whole Foods, we were looking for the wild salmon, and the wild was Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Some people just don't like the idea or like feel like it tastes different sometimes, but uh, that's a, that's a great tip. Absolutely. Yeah. Actar. Great question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there is that true. The window of gains is true. Okay. There is a certain amount of time we need to refuel after a workout. So if you're eating, uh, uh, if, you, if, you've, if you've had a workout, the best thing you can do is eat a meal. If you are between work or you know it's gonna be hours before you can have a dinner time, that kind of magic sweet spot is about an hour to two hours after your workout. So that's when it's ideal to get in a protein shake or uh, eat a meal right away so your body can uh, recover and replenish properly. Yeah, that's a great question. Jenny? Yeah, sometimes there's, there's a, a couple of good ones out there, but a lot of times you'll find that they are higher in fat because they are mixed with oils. So um, like Premier Protein is one, Muscle Milk is one. There's a, a couple of them. And again, it's for shelf stability, right? You can make those and put them out on the shelf uh, and probably drink them again in 2025 and not have to worry about it. Yeah. Um, and again, they're there to help kind of, um, protein has been a huge trend in the United States. Um, and basically everyone's kind of getting in on the protein game. So people are trying to make it more appealing and that's where the taste and that fat sensation comes from. So yeah, be careful with a couple of those. Taylor. So would you say like, if you can't get enough protein, like, yeah, if you can't get enough protein without using protein powder, is that like more ideal? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes it just, again, depends on your goals. Um, but it's, it's sometimes difficult to do that. Uh, some people just simply can't eat that much food. And that's where it kind of becomes a benefit to an athlete or someone, you know, working on weight loss goals or whatever it is. Yeah. Phil? Yeah, if you do a protein shake after a workout, mm -hmm. does that affect protein you consume later? Not necessarily. You do want to, um, again, it's, it's about meal timing there. So you want to give your body a little bit of time to digest and absorb that. Um, because again, 
Tim and I have had this conversation. There is a certain amount of protein your body can absorb at one time. So it doesn't make sense to eat your pro have your protein shake and then eat a meal right away or having your shake with your meal. Um, so it's a little bit of time to digest that about, you know, another 90 minutes or so. Uh, so your body can start to process that and absorb that and utilize that before you have a true meal. Yeah, that's a perfect example of when you'd want to do that. Right. Yeah. Good questions, guys. Mm -hmm. So vitamins, minerals, nutrients, everything working together. Um, you know, I know you can talk about like omega threes and stuff there, but what are some other things that you know if we're looking at? You know, why we eat one protein source maybe over another? Mm -hmm. What are the big things that we're trying to get from protein? Yeah. Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind would be. Um, Obviously, the source, we talked a little bit about grass-fed and it being local and how much uh, higher of a vitamin and nutrient content it has, so higher omega-3s. Um, also, vitamin A is another big one that they are. Um, fat comes into consideration, trying to think about that. Um, but really, when it comes to something like animal versus plant, for example, that's a common question that we get. Uh, the body will consume and utilize a animal-based protein much more efficiently than a plant-based protein. Now, it's not that the plant-based protein is bad. Uh, we just won't be able to utilize that as well. So we call that bioavailability of, how, of that protein. Um, so there's a lot of plant-based proteins out there. Uh, people, uh, most of the proteins on the market uh, are whey-based, and um, some people just don't tolerate those. So that's when a plant-based protein would be a little bit better. Um, is that what you're referring to there? A little bit of that? Okay, awesome. Here we go, back to the small. All right, so fat, finally, last minute. Oh, Omar, go ahead, buddy. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and again, Omar, your goals are probably a little bit different, so I would suggest, well, we'll use you as an example, right? You know, high, higher level athlete, right? Has their nutrition pretty dialed in. Uh, I would suggest uh, for someone like you, I would put that in a shake, right? Um, other people, like more generic everyday warrior, um, it really just depends. You know, if they're, if they're focusing on weight loss, uh, maybe not, maybe it's better to kind of make that up the next day or, you know, think about a seven day nutrient average versus just a one day, trying to get it all in one day. Um, but our body processes slow down drastically when we go to sleep. So that's when it's not great to be at the end of the day, man, wow, I have like a thousand calories and like a hundred grams of carb and 50 grams of protein to do. I'm just going to smash this chicken and bacon sandwich and go right to bed. Uh, we're not going to utilize that as well. Uh, right. And it's going to probably cause some other health, uh, issues like not sleeping well and GI distress and all that. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah, and again, it just gets into that digestion uh, question. Uh, some people are faster and slower than others, but uh, really you wanna give yourself some time, 90 minutes to two hours, sometimes longer, to sit upright, digest those foods, make sure you're processing most of that before you go to bed. Yeah, and that's a common question. Like, I heard you shouldn't eat past 5 p.m. Well, it's just gonna depend on the person. Yeah. Right. Seven, eight, 
Yeah. So I, my, my ultimate thing I would say is you, you need to try and be as consistent as possible. So trying to shoot for those macro numbers as much as you can. Um, but you know, when it comes down to seeing like how well we're doing on average, you know, sometimes people will look at like a three or five, seven day average of how you're doing. So I would, my, my ultimate response would be, you know, try and nail it every day if you can. Um, that's going to lead to the best success when it comes to, you know, if you're looking to lose weight, we don't want to underfeed ourselves six days of the week and then make up for it on that seventh day. Um, you know, you want to try and shoot for that on a daily basis for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's helpful for evaluating trends too. So you can make some good changes off that. Yeah, about like every two to three hours, we should probably be taking something in for metabolism purposes. But then again, digestion, you know, wanting to make sure that there's some time to, to absorb that. Mm-hmm. Great questions, guys. Keeping me on my toes. Yes. Oh, more. Yes. Yeah, you can email me at Andy at friendshipcrossfit.com and you live with a dietitian, I heard too. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's absolutely doable. I mean, that's where the plant-based sources come into play. Um, the only thing is though, you do have to be careful to supplement with some vitamin B12. That's a common thing that um, you can become deficient in if you, if you don't eat any animal proteins, so. Yeah, don't watch this thing. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, you know, one of the big things I think for, for people generally that they don't think about, we think about um, types of animals, right? We're talking about eating, you know, beef, chicken. But we don't actually think about, like, what part of the animal we're mm-hmm. eating, right? Um, so you can talk a little bit about eating, like, like involving some different organs or maybe some different, some different possibilities um, and the nutrition, the added nutritious value of that. Yeah. Um, okay, so sometimes uh, we, we know like white, light and dark meat, right, from a, from a poultry food item. Uh, there, it's beneficial, again, depending on your goals, you know, more fat in those darker cuts uh, versus the lighter cuts. So uh, basically that just comes down to the use of the animal, right? So if we think about a cow, for example, um, their shoulder, anything in like their chest and in their legs is supporting hundreds of pounds of weight all day. So those are going to be higher protein, less fat content cuts. Uh, Pretty much universal with every animal. And if we're thinking about the flank area on the stomach, um, traditionally just like us, you know, our guts hang out. They don't do anything really there to support. Uh, So those are gonna be our fattier cuts. So that's what you really wanna be looking at too. Um, A lot of that can be trimmed, but inside the meat, those striations can cause, you know, higher fat contents as well. Um, So that is definitely something to consider as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, like okay, organ meats. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't. I know they're not very traditional uh, anymore, but yeah, great, great nutrient value. Uh, a lot of um, essential vitamins, uh, fat soluble vitamins that we can get from those. Uh, but you definitely have to have a taste for it for sure. Liver, heart, tongue, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah so you like the tongue, Paul?
significantly better for you and it's significantly more available. Because no one wants it. Right now, <laughs> yeah, Lisa, yeah. Yeah, I'm not really. I don't eat any organ meats. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, if if you think of animals being, you know, grain fed, on like a GMO grain that's pumped with growth hormones, then yeah, that liver is going to retain a lot of that stuff. Um, you might be able to cook it and break it down a little bit, but again, you're thinking, how is my body going to process that um, once it's in in my system? So, that is a good thought and something definitely to consider for sure. Okay, guys, so our last macronutrient, uh, fat. My tagline, keeps us full and functional, right? Very important. It kind of cushions our organs. It helps prevent those from getting punctured by our bones. Uh, but most importantly, in metabolism with some production of hormones. Um, and it should take up a smaller amount of our calories. And for this reason, it's a lot more dense, nine calories per gram. And this is kind of where that whole thought process was, like, I can never eat fat. Uh, fat's bad if I want to lose weight. It's so dense in calories. Um, but in reality, it really kind of can promote that feeling of fullness. So it's an awesome piece to incorporate into your nutrition uh, for that reason. Uh, and if we do it right, it can be very healthful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, go ahead, Omar. Meaning time of day? Yeah. Uh, sometimes. So there is some kind of research that will promote kind of eating more of your fat in the evening time. Uh, a lot of that is um, basically our, our body's a little bit more efficient at digesting carbohydrates earlier in the day, right? We, we've rested, we're awake, uh, we can process those much more efficiently. And uh, also a big part of that is just like, you know, helping us feel full in that evening time where we have idle hands, uh, snacks in the pantry start to look really good. So having a tasty snack. And having a little bit more fat in our diet can help kind of just keep us full for that eight to 12 hours we're gonna be sleeping and waking up and then breaking that fast with breakfast the next day. So yeah, great question. So uh, here's the omega-3 versus the omega-6 conversation. Uh, and really what we're finding is that the standard American diet, which is uh, rightly abbreviated SAD, SAD, standard American, thanks Taylor. But it's true, it's true. Yeah. Dude, I went stiff over here with jumps. Dude, dude. Um, but the standard American diet is very high in omega-3s. Now, uh, bottom line is what you guys should retain is that these are just pro-inflammatory fats. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, omega-6. Thank you. Uh, so they're, it's the standard American diet, much higher in omega-6s, and these are pro-inflammatory, right? Uh, so they pretty much are in everything we're consuming on a daily basis. So these omega-3s that are anti-inflammatory that come from our, our nuts and seeds, our seafood, our, our grass-fed local animal products uh, can help counteract, counteract that to lower that systemic inflammation that we might be taking on. Uh, so, and I know I keep saying and using this word inflammation, not anyone in here is walking around all puffy and inflamed, but um, we're thinking about, again, what's under the hood? You know, how are our organs looking? How are our vessels looking that are transporting oxygen and nutrients to all of our organs? So that's really where the conversations come into play. And sometimes too, people can truly find uh, great health benefits, you know, sleeping better, uh, digesting better, decrease bloat and lethargy. If you can decrease the amount of uh, inflammatory food products you're taking in. Uh, there has been some kind of research showing that it's uh, helpful as far as the cognitive disorders and helping with some cancers, again, from that anti-inflammatory piece. 
Um, but most are, uh, often in the CrossFit gyms, we'll hear about it for recovery, again, for inflammation. So, you know, fish oil out front, but utilizing omega-3s in your recovery process. So uh, I know it's a lot to kind of take in, but, you know, again, just thinking about incorporating some seafood into your diet, eating some nuts and seeds can really help kind of counteract that. And if you're eating whole nutritious foods the remainder of the time, you're going to be doing pretty good. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Correct. Yes. So, and what we're just finding is that the ratio is like thirty to one, and and really we try we're trying to get that as close to one to one as we can. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely great point there. Um, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. Thank you. <laughs> so actually peanuts, peanuts are going to be higher omega-6, right? And then if we're looking at um, things like almonds and pistachios and sunflower seeds, those are going to have a higher omega-3 content. So, um, you know, th those are fine when it comes to, you know, a plant-based protein source. Annie, there you go. Um, but again, you know, too much of any good thing can be bad. So I could see you fill out home just popping those during an IU game, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> we're good. Uh, biggest thing there is probably the salt in there. So just making sure you're keeping an eye on that. Okay, guys, I geek out about this all the time. All right, plate method. Now, uh, I know it's a little off, but this, uh, do you guys remember the food pyramid back in school? A little bit? Paul, no? You're too young for that. But the food pyramid, if you remember, it kind of looked like that sport pyramid I put up in that first slide where it kind of uh, created significance to the different food groups, the grains, the fruits, the vegetables, with the fats being that really small part at the top. Uh, you know, it didn't work too well. People couldn't remember it. You know, you'd quiz anyone and they'd be like, I don't know, I'm supposed to have like 10 fruits and one grain. I don't know what's going on. So uh, it's become more of this gunshot approach. I like to call it what we call the plate method. So this is a great holistic approach to if you're going to do anything about your nutrition when you leave, this is an easy thing we can do. Uh, so what we talk about is a standard nine inch plate, uh, which is skewed off this plate here. Uh, but the reason I bring that up is because who has dinner plates at home that are like this big, right? I do. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that's not really uh, accomplishing what we're getting there. Um, but most of the time that nine inch plate is our salad plate that we have at home. So utilizing something like that and then keeping the portions of non-starchy vegetables to half of that plate and then our carbohydrate, which in this picture looks like a wonderful mix of <clears throat> rice and corn. And then lastly, the last quarter a lean protein. So here we have some scallops. This is an overall really good approach to help kind of tackle a lot of different things. Calorie content, the amount of sodium you're taking in, the amount of carbohydrate you're taking in. So if you want to change one thing tonight, this is a really good place to start. All right, guys. So lastly, surviving the challenge. All right. Pro tips earlier, now surviving the challenge. So this is gonna be kind of building off what Jeff had mentioned. So common faults that we see are kind of going a little nuts. So I talk about SMART goals all the time. I try to think of like the most crazy thing I can think of here for a non-specific, just completely outlandish goal. So there's a big difference between I'm joining the Whole Life Challenge because I wanna lose about 50 pounds for my cruise and run a sub six mile to decrease my health insurance premiums and find a husband in the gym, right? really out there, right? Maybe not. Yeah, Amanda's like, I'm in. So, right. It is specific to a degree, right? 
uh, but not, not too measurable because how, how are we gonna get there? Um, is it achievable in six weeks? Probably not. Realistic, yeah, no. But overall, um, you know, not a great piece. It's much better to really hone in on something achievable, something that uh, kind of speaks to your why, a small goal that we can work on, not taking on a thousand things at once. So maybe we can say, you know, I wanna focus on making some body fat changes a priority over the next six weeks to lose about an inch off my waist so I can fit in that suit again for my 10th high school reunion come November, right? That's, that's a good why. You wanna feel good and confident about fitting into some clothes, again, that maybe you've grown out of, um, you know, knowing that, you know, you have a little bit of a push to get you there. Um, a little bit more of an aesthetic versus like a true, why is it pushing you there? But overall, um, you know, something a little bit more to kind of help you guys think about what you wanna do uh, with your nutrition goal. Right? We talked about that one to five scale and how we can make that look. Uh, meal prepping, this can be super helpful as well. So uh, being prepared, there's, there's huge glory in being prepared. So um, Sunday, Jeff used as a common example, that's I think a universal meal prep day, but this can be a lot of different things. It can be creating a menu, creating a plan, looking at your social schedule with your spouse and your family to say, hey, when are we gonna be pressed for time? versus when do I have three hours at home where I can really commit to doing a meal for 30 minutes, right? So thinking about that, um, three compartment containers can be super helpful for this and you can get them almost at any store. Um, we got ours on Amazon, yep. Uh, that mimic <clears throat> that plate method, right? A larger portion for your unstarchy vegetables and then a smaller portion for your, your lean protein and your starchy vegetables there. Uh, helpful tools to have in the house. If you guys don't have these things, get on it. An instant pot for some rice uh, or just quick cooking things. I think, Phil, didn't you have one of these? You guys live by that thing now, don't you? Mm -hmm. Crock pot, perfect to just set some meat in like a sort of casserole sort of thing in the beginning of the day. Um, come back home to a, a nice smelling meal and you don't have to do anything. I know Omar's trying to experiment with this now. Uh, and then lastly, <laughs> the containers in a muffin tin can be super great for portion sized foods. Adrian? There you go, yeah. Uh, they figured, they, oh, I like that. Uh, this might be a good time to tell you that this presentation is sponsored by Crock-Pot. So. Uh, and then repetition, think about that. So uh, if you are someone who doesn't mind, uh, you know, having leftovers or just maybe creating uh, three meals to the week to carry you over for the seven days, you know, don't discredit that. That can be uh, a few, you can create a few staples. I think most people who are dialed in with their nutrition have eat the same thing week to week. I think Jeff eats steak like every day, um, <laughs> but he's got his go-to recipes. I have my go-to recipes. Uh, this is something that can really help kind of create some good success. Spend a little bit of time up front to do that, to uh, create a nice foundation for yourself. So yeah, for sure.
well-rounded meal. And as I always said, mm-hmm. a little hot sauce on it, you're good to go. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah. we would get people who would, they'd, they'd stop at Starbucks and then they'd be eating these on the way and you literally can eat them just like muffin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for those of you guys who maybe do struggle with breakfast, that, like, I mean, these guys, again, we're talking about making a consistent habit change. It takes no time, super simple prep. You get the whole breakfast for the entire week we saw people like just change that they're like i'm going to do this going forward for mm-hmm. sure. it, was yeah. it was faster it was cheaper it was more healthy it's everything um, and i know a lot of times for meal prep everyone always thinks about lunch right so you go to the office and, and lunch is you know it's, it's pizza and cake and everybody's messing around and same for sometimes the soda machine dies and then chaos ensues right? <laughs> so, um, so that's what you're thinking about that everyone always goes to the lunch and maybe dinner but do think about breakfast too. If that's one of those things, if you guys are bad, if you're always on the go, you gotta take kids to school, you gotta get up, we're always hustle and bustle. I don't have the time to do that. Prep the breakfast. It's, it's actually pretty easy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for that input. <clears throat> uh, a couple of the favorites listed here. Uh, they are uh, off this recipe website that we have that we've been sharing with a couple of our clients. And basically, what we have here is if you are a tracker, uh, you're using MyFitnessPal or something, you can find that these recipes, uh, the legwork has been taken out. So you can just search these on MyFitnessPal on this healthystepsnutrition.com backslash healthy recipes. Uh, and that way, so for example, you say, uh, yeah, I made these meatloaf muffins or Amish oatmeal. Um, you can just put in your yield, search it on the MyFitnessPal and it's all the legwork that's taken out of you, uh, out of that for you. So if you guys have ever experimented putting recipes in there, it's kind of tedious. You have to put all of your ingredients, how many servings it yields and all that. So there's a lot of healthy recipes on this site that are already uploaded into that so you can get a little bit of a better handle on what you're doing. So I would encourage you guys to check that out. Uh, Again, this is uh, getting into some of Phil's questions. So uh, avoiding common faults, eating every two to three hours to have uh, avoiding that hangry feeling that we all talk about, right? Uh, So low blood sugar, you know, often that will too lead to, okay, well, I skipped lunch. So now I have this ability to go absolutely berserk for dinner right? Overeating and then having those negative feelings afterwards. Um, So try to eat something every two to three hours, planning for that. So setting a timer if you need to. Um, And again, this is all going to be individualistic. Some people are really good at this. Some people are terrible. Really just finding out what's going to resonate well with you. Um, Thinking about proactive logging or just planning your meals ahead of time kind of bleeds into meal planning, but some people find success with that. You know, looking at where uh, tracking the next three days ahead of time, if you eat the same breakfast, if you know what you're having for dinner those days, seeing where you can be the most successful in that. Um, Not a morning person. Try a couple of those recipes that Jeff was just talking about. Uh, I've worked with a lot of people on just creating like a protein smoothie in the morning, getting that carb, protein, and fat all in one thing. Uh, You can make a bulk amount of that, like 30 plus ounces, and just drink from that for three days and then make another one, right? That can be super helpful. Um, And then... Yeah, Jeff has a great smoothie recipe. He claims he's, he's created the perfect one. <clears throat> and then, uh, yeah, so if you're on the road too, a cooler can be super helpful, right? Um, shows preparedness. You can keep a lot of perishable food items in that. Um, but, you know, there's other things like ready-to-eat items like jerkies and nuts and seeds, fresh fruit, all those things you can keep in your car. And be prepared for any issues so you don't feel so tempted to stop at Chick-fil-A. It's one of my favorite. Hydration, huge role in metabolism, huge role in weight loss, which I know is a primary focus for a lot of people when it comes to the whole life challenge. 
Uh, needed for all metabolic functions, general rule of thumb is to try and get in at least 80 ounces a day. Um, most people in here, CrossFitters, you guys are doing pretty good at that. Um, but that's a great baseline to go off of. Um, so uh, that was a big one for me last year. I know I try to get some good Yetis and sippy cup. The straws in the cups can help a ton. Uh, so think about making that investment if you can. Um, and then I get a common question a lot about sparkling water. LaCroix fans out there, right? Yeah, heck yeah. All right, you guys, have you guys tried Waterloo? Yeah, there we go. Waterloo's the bomb. Anyway, that, that, can, that can equate to water consumption as well. All right, as long as it's not with any added sweeteners, um, you guys are good to go there, okay? Um, but then lastly, alcohol, right? This is a big one. Uh, a lot of people um, can easily, <laughs> Paul, what are you doing there? <laughs> so yeah, alcohol, Ma mainly, especially if we're doing some type of mixed drink or we uh, you know, love those tasty IPAs that have that high alcohol content to them, uh, can be super detrimental to what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, not only from a calorie perspective, but you start to see it bleed into cognitive function, sleep quality, recovery. So these are all things that you have to consider. It takes our bodies at least 48 hours to process that with our liver. So we need to make sure that we're doing the best we can to make the best progress that we can. So if our body's constantly processing a toxin or digesting that, we're never having enough time or energy with our body to lose weight, gain strength, sleep better, because it's focusing on ridding that of toxins versus making improvements. So that's my argument there. Uh, I'm a realist, so I understand, right? We need to uh, have balance. So if you do have to do something, you can uh, work on maybe consuming water between beverages or just stick to one. I mentioned those serving sizes earlier, one for women, two for men per day. I would say that's even too far as far as what the academy recommends from, that, from the dietetic standpoint. And then lastly, sleep. Okay, this is a big one. This is getting into some of the habit stuff, but mainly I wanted to draw your attention to a couple of these hormones that uh, can kind of get out of whack. So this hormone leptin, the one that makes you uh, feel satisfied after a meal, decreases if we are sleep deprived, right? I'm sure we can all think of that time uh, we were sleep deprived and we start to make not only poor nutrition choices, but we're also, our body is craving energy. So that's why it's telling us to eat more and take in more. Uh, this hormone ghrelin, which makes us hungry, is increased. So now we have both of those working against each other. And then lastly, cortisol, our stress hormone, is increased as well. So now we're talking about uh, an infl inflammatory cascade, uh, things that are really just putting you into a bad situation. So sleep can be a great opportunity uh, if you're looking to make improvements with your nutrition as well. Those two things kind of play hand in hand. So think about that. Okay. We made it. No more font issues. Yeah. I've got a question since you said cortisol. Um, yeah. So can we talk maybe just a little bit about, um, like you talked a little bit about like uh, low blood sugar, being mm -hmm. angry, and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, does that play in at all with like, uh, like kind of like stress eating? I think that's a big thing for me to do. Stress Absolutely. Right. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and then two, um, the, the whole diabetic picture that we talk about a lot with insulin response uh, i'm sure we've heard of that uh, also kind of goes out of whack i mean it's directly correlated to how you eat as well um, but the more we have these hormones out of whack the more it's going to predispose us to not be able to utilize the carbohydrate that we're eating to put us into a more uh, diabetic picture where we're more at risk our, our blood sugars are rising the insulin is not working as effectively 
So it gets even further. Fat. Correct. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Other questions, guys? Yes. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, so um, the best uh, research points to getting some protein and carbohydrate before a workout. Uh, I think the um, exact breakdown is about um, 20 to 30 grams of protein and about 30 grams of carbohydrate. So if you're looking at something to consume, that can be as simple as a protein shake. Uh, it can be like an RX bar and a piece of fruit, something that is going to give you some fuel so that way you can start to mobilize the other stored nutrients or stored energy sources in your body and not start to pull from your protein stores. So that's really where you find a little bit more of a risk, um, especially if it becomes in a whole day of under eating, which most people are um, when it comes to anything they're trying to accomplish. And uh, then it starts to pull from your protein muscle stores. So that's where our energy then comes from. So a lot of people think like, hey, I'm not gonna eat, I'm gonna do two hours of cardio and it's gonna pull from all my fat, it's gonna be great. Uh, it's not necessarily the case because our body's storing that just in case then we're stranded on an island and we have to survive for two weeks. Uh, so it starts to pull on that non-crucial uh, non protein muscle storage system instead. Yeah, so trying to get a little bit something in at least 30 minutes plus I had that workout and it was kind of tough because it's early morning, but at least something so you can digest it a little bit and it's not just sitting in your stomach. Yeah. So how does that kind of play to people who do intermittent fasting? Yeah, so it's not for everyone. You know, intermittent fasting is more of, I refer to it as like a reset button. So trying to get the system back to neutral, get the hormones regulated, you know, blood sugars regulated and all that. So, um, you know, for those people, they're probably not eating during that time anyway. Most intermittent fasters are late afternoon into evening. Um, so, are you talking about for like workout time frame? With yeah, you're talking about yeah, eat yeah. All day. well, and that's right. So that and that's the risk you run with that sort of a thing. So, most of my recommendations for intermittent fasters come. You know, you're not going to have the best energy for your workouts, and then it just becomes a more tailored picture for them on what that looks like. Because uh, if you really look at that blood sugar response, you eat, it peaks, and then for the rest of the day, it's coming down. So you're not going to have that energy source to draw from for that. Um, but people do it. I mean, you can work out on an empty stomach too. It's not like you don't have the energy, but it just depends on what you're trying to accomplish with that. Yeah. Cool. Taylor? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, depending on, again, our goals and what we're working towards, that protein, there's our body has systems to break that protein down and turn it into energy. Um, most of the time, it's going to be if we are eating too much protein and too little carbohydrate, uh, that will lead to excess weight gain in the storage of fat. Um, but, you know, then you start to look at, okay, maybe this person's 
kidneys aren't set up to digest and process all of that protein. Um, some, you know, genetically, again, people do better with a higher protein, lower carbohydrate. It really just kind of depends on the picture. Um, so bottom line is our body's going to get energy some way, shape or form. Uh, and it has meta like cellular processes to do that. Um, but for the most part, again, I think those carbs, the fat has gotten a bad name and that's where that protein comes into play. Um, but that's when they, they come to us and they say, Hey, I plateaued or I'm not losing any more weight or I'm not gaining strength. What, what can I change? So, uh, kind of, uh, yeah. Um, I'll tell you one of the reasons that I, I used to recommend a uh, much lower carbohydrate content. Still do for certain people. Um, one of the big reasons that I will recommend a lower carbohydrate content is the individual is not capable of eating all the carbohydrates. Mm. Right. So if I limit the carbohydrates that they have a day to 130 grams, right? If you're going to eat bad carbohydrates, 130 grams is going to go in about two seconds, and that's all you're going to get for the day. So if you're incapable, if I'm working with somebody, And so one of, the, one of the ways that you can kind of negate that if you're um, a nutritionist, not a dietitian, well, right? and you're trying to work with people is to, is to you know, monkey with the numbers a little bit to make it, maybe work with the person's lifestyle a little bit more. Um, so that, I think, is an answer to your question. So now people are huge on this keto, right? And that's such a big, big buzzword now. And that chops a lot of the carbohydrates and has an increased fat and protein content. And I, you know, I think a big reason why is I think people are people who like it are people like me who don't like vegetables, right? And so if you don't like vegetables and you love meat, right? You love water, you love yeah. fat, you love all that stuff. It's just like, yeah, that sounds kind of appealing. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's one of those things where a lot of times that's, that's like a, it's a simple health doesn't necessarily fix the issue. The better way to do it is to have highly nutritious carbohydrates as a, as a staple of your diet, um, but that doesn't work for everybody, right? So, so. I wonder if, well, because like I feel like in general, carbohydrates, that's like, Right. That doesn't take into account, like, the leaner you are, the more insulin resistant you are, right? And so if we think about that, like, take O back there, right? O's got about 0% body fat, okay? <laughs> and so if you guys know Omar, he's known to crush some pizzas and some things like that, and it doesn't really necessarily affect him, right? He can, he can eat these because he's got this just massive insulin resistance. So, so the carbohydrates don't necessarily affect him the same way as somebody who maybe doesn't have that same response. So, if you guys ever listened to Charles Baldwin, who's one of the top like strength and conditioning experts uh, in the whole world. He's, I think he's got something like 50 gold medals under his, his belt in terms of people he's trained. Um, he has a hard and fast rule. If you're not under 15% body fat, he has zero carbohydrates. And that's his hard and fast rule. And once you're under 15% body fat, he goes the exact opposite, but you get like 600 grams of carbs. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little bit what, like Ryan, yeah. <clears throat> uh, Andy was joking with Ryan a little bit, and kind of in that boat, but Ryan's very lean, and so now Andy's going to take his carbohydrates and go up through the roof, and then... He'll be squatting 400 pounds by winter. Fun, fun for Ryan to watch his yeah. performance improvement because he is capable of handling yeah. uh, that higher degree of carbs. Yeah. Does that help answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. Anything else, guys? Awesome. Yeah, we're going to post it. We'll yeah. Post all of it, so uh, make sure you guys get the... the yeah. 
Yeah. And I want to encourage you guys, um, you know, I want to be available as much as possible to the community here. So that's why I put my email and Jeff's email and my phone number there. Um, you know, this is uh, a lot of people try and it, it's a complicated subject and uh, it's not simple. It's very individualistic. It's very tailored. So if you guys are ever interested in talking about that or trying to make improvements off that, I'd be happy to help. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, already you guys have made a huge step in just, you know, admitting that there's something you want to work on and being here. So I commend you on that, but feel free to reach out at any time. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Cool. So this half of the room, I expect you all to be signed up.